If you, every time somebody says no, start writing that person off and you add them to your FU list, that is not going to be a good thing long-term. It's just a, the, like the bottom line of numbers. You can't be so quick to burn bridges that uh, you don't have the opportunity to maintain relationships anymore. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Build Your Network podcast, the only top-rated show committed to helping you grow your business, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Let's get into the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, uh, we're talking all about how to make sure that you are not burning bridges in relationships. So this is a topic that that is kind of near and dear to, to my heart because... I have been through enough transitions, changes, and pivots in my career at this point now to have had multiple situations like this happen, both where I was at fault and the other party was at fault. And most of the time, by the way, and this will be something that we talk about, it's more of a combination of those than you really realize. It's probably a little bit more your fault than you're willing to admit. It's probably a little bit less their fault than you're willing to admit. But at the end of the day, that's why I say that it's so important to try to mend bridges rather than burn them. Let's go ahead and get into it. I've found recently, especially in the age of social media, where it's easy to get to know somebody on a very surface level without developing a deep relationship, people tend to have this kind of big FU mentality because they're maybe they didn't have people believe in them at a younger age, or maybe, you know, their parents never said they were proud of them or they had some sort of life circumstance happen that made other people not believe in them. And now they have a big chip on their shoulder. And instead of looking for reasons to collaborate with people and grow and learn together, they're actively looking for people to snub them so that they can add them to their, their FU list in their mind. I've had that, had that happen a time or two to me. And I've also been on the other side of it where I can understand their part of the situation. So I'll give you an example. When I when I was first starting my show, I reached out to this guy. I won't name won't name his name. I reached out to this guy uh, that I wanted to bring on my podcast. And every time that I asked for an intro from a friend of mine that knew a lot of people in the industry, it always worked out really well. And so I went back to this friend and I said, "Hey, I want to interview this person. They have such and such podcast. You know who they are. I don't. Can you make an intro? I'd love to interview them." So he made an intro, and then the guy basically didn't give me any sort of like real response as to why he didn't want to come on the show. He literally just was like, no, I'm okay for now. Thanks. And it was the first time that I had an introduction from this particular friend go south and didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And my initial reaction was just kind of like, well, fine, I'll show you type of a thing. Like you're going to be begging to come on my show in a little bit. And I started to realize really it wasn't immediate. It was after a while of my show starting to go pretty well. And for things in my business to start going pretty well, where I had a lot of people that were reaching out to me. And I started to realize that it's not really even a matter of like this person being a douchebag or this person being a nice person. It's just a matter of capacity. And when you get to a certain level, people cannot anymore give freely of their resources, whether it's time or money or investment or an introduction or something like that. They, they can't just give freely of resources. They have to start being picky on things. In fact, you know, Tim Ferriss has an entire chapter in one of his books, I think it's Tribe of Mentors, that talks all about how to reject people properly. Like not how to overcome rejection, how to say no to people properly. And what he uses examples in his book were rejection letters that he got from people that he reached out to to contribute to that book. So even at Tim Ferriss's level, prolific New York Times bestselling author, multiple books, his podcast gets hundred, has hundreds of millions of downloads at this point, very well-known guy, extremely well-networked, well-established um, in multiple regards. 
somebody like that can write a book and still get people saying no to it, then we are all going to face that at every single level that we come across inside of our business, our podcast, our journey, et cetera. If you, every time somebody says no, start writing that person off and you add them to your FU list, that is not going to be a good thing long-term. It's just a, a, like the bottom line of numbers. You can't be so quick to burn bridges that uh, you don't have the opportunity to maintain relationships anymore. There's been a couple of circumstances in business when, back when I was uh, doing more sales where I had a, a partner in one of the, the companies I was working with basically go behind my back and try to get a different deal from this dealer, the dealer that we were both, both working with and uh, who I perceived at the time as being a good friend of mine and a partner. Uh, and I remember that happening and feeling like just super betrayed and was like, I'm not, I'm not talking to this guy anymore, blah, blah, blah. I'm totally 100% in the right. He's totally 100% in the wrong. 100% his fault. He's the one that needs to make up for this. Like the onus is on him, the ball's in his court. And I'm, you know, done with this friendship or relationship. After, you know, six months to a year of just basically ignoring this guy when he was trying to keep coming back in, into my life, I was just like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll start giving him the time of day, you know? And so we had a several open discussions about what was happening at that time and why he did what he did. And the more that I listened to him, the more that I was like, you know what, if I were in his shoes, I might do something similar to what he did. And it was a major lesson for me in terms of empathy. And I think I have a unique perspective into that because the way that I grew up, which was holding to a certain belief system. And now as an adult, as you know, coming up on, on 30 now, my belief system's completely changed. And so I know what it's like to go from, th this is what I ardently believed. And now like, I don't really believe that as much anymore. And so it's given me more empathy to understand that like, Everybody has their opinion and their perspective of what happened in the situation. But what a leader does, CEO does, uh, a mediator does, is they always have to get both sides of the story. Because oftentimes, it's not even something that we do on purpose. It's just subconsciously what happens when we're looking at the situation. We think that we're right because we're us. Like, I am me. I'm seeing everything through Travis's context. I'm seeing everything through Travis's perspective. So I can get lost in that perspective and then use my own confirmation bias to build up evidence as to why I'm 100% right, the other person's 100% wrong, and there's no discussion, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Oftentimes, it's, it's more of a combination than you are willing to admit that it is. You had a little bit more to do with it. They had a little bit less to do with it than you often think to be true. And so when I really started learning that and applying it to certain situations and then fast forwarding, especially in that particular relationship where I felt like it was a burned bridge, it was like he kept reaching out and I made it a, a principle in my life that if somebody that I had burned a bridge with was willing to rekindle a, some sort of a relationship or friendship, that I would be open to doing that. Now, does that mean that you got to jump into business with that person again and immediately become partners? No, probably not. You want to feel it out a little bit. Make sure that it's some something that's going to be good before you, you know, enter into any sort of, you know, binding agreements or contracts or anything like that with people who uh, maybe you've had some rough rough patches with in the past. But what it does mean is that you should be consistently looking to maintain those relationships with those people. And why is that? It's because if you fast forward over the a long enough time horizon to allow for success, right? So I'm not talking one to three years because that's what most people think is a time horizon for success. But I love Gary Vee's quote about uh, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So I'm talking more like 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years, time horizon. We're talking multiple decades long. If you fast forward over that time, you know you are just one of those people that's really quick to burn bridges. 
then you are you are putting stops in your compound interest of relationships over that period of time. Whereas if you let those relationships grow and you do your best to mend broken relationships and, and mend broken bridges, there's still that open line of communication. So all the things that that person does, the things that they accomplish, the people that they meet can all be within the world that you exist in because you maintained that relationship. And so it, like, it doesn't even make sense logically to just add someone to your FU list and be like, they're forever on that list. Now, does that mean I have nobody on my FU list? No, it does not. I do have people that are still on that list. But those are people that I've actively tried to mend relationships with, where I've reached out and been like, look, here's my involvement in the situation. I can look at that at least from some sort of third-party objective viewpoint and say, here's the things that I did wrong. I apologize for those things. If you want to grab a coffee, you want to grab a beer sometime and talk about it, I'm totally open to, to sitting down and, and you know getting to know each other again especially if they're somebody that you viewed as a friend at some point, uh, because friends are few and far between. And it's and as an adult, it's difficult to go make new friends. Um, it's easier to maintain relationships with the friends that you already have. And so if something happened, there was a rift between the two of you. To me, uh, it's got to be really, really, really bad and completely objectively wrong for me to not make an attempt to reach back out to that person and try to reconcile some sort of solution where we can come together and have some sort of a working relationship again. So uh, don't be too quick to judge the people. Have empathy for the other side of the situation and always try to fix those relationships. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And then the last thing I'll say about this is in business, you don't have to search for the FU list because it's going to come. If you have big goals, if you have big dreams, if you're trying to do things in the world that most people aren't trying to do, and you get around other people that are that way, 
you innately are going to butt heads sometimes with some of those people. If you're constantly searching for reasons to say F you to somebody, you're always going to find those reasons. And you're going to be that person that's just actively burning bridges relationships. And you're going to look back in five years and go, wait a second, if all of these people know each other and they are fine with each other, but I'm not fine with any of them, then who's the real problem here? If it's if they all know each other and they all do business together and they're all fine with each other, but I don't like any of them, it's kind of and they don't like me. It's kind of like, well, it seems like I'm the one that's being the one that's difficult to work with, and uh, and I, I never wanted to get to that point. I just I, I wanted to make sure that like, look, I, I'm I know how important relationships are, relationship capital, being around good people, building a strong network of friends who are there to support you, people who are in your corner. It's always better to have more people in your corner rooting for you and hoping that you do well because you're adding value and you maintain a relationship with them than it is to have a bunch of people that are secretly rooting against you because this thing went wrong this one time and you never did anything in, within your power to be able to salvage the thing that happened, even if it was something that you don't even view as like you doing completely wrong. Because a lot of times it's not even in, in relationships, it's not even like the fact of who did what wrong. It's really just the reconciliation of the feeling that the other party had. This is something that my marriage has taught me is like, sometimes it doesn't matter if what I'm feeling is justified or correct. All that matters is that I communicate that feeling with my wife so that she knows how I'm feeling based on the action that she took, even if it doesn't make any sense or there's not a direct correlation, or if she didn't even need to do anything different the next time. It's just communicating that that feeling exists and it's there. And if you can communicate that with those people and, and try to mend those broken relationships, and then you zoom you know, forward and look at the next 30 years, those relationships are going to continue to compound and your network and your your net, your web of, of, of influence is going to continue to expand over that period of time to the point where it is actively against your best interest and their best interest to keep the relationship dead. Doesn't make any sense to do it, especially if you're young. Like if you're, people get, you know, they break relationships over some of the silliest things and it definitely doesn't come down to a matter of what even happened in the scenario. It comes down to a matter of ego. They just don't want to let it go because they feel justified in their anger and in their hate, and they use it as an excuse to not be successful. And so if they let it go, they now realize that the onus is on them. The responsibility is theirs to, to fix the things in their life. So never, ever, ever be the one in the situation that's not willing to reconcile the relationship because at the end of the day, relationships, I mean, it's really, it's really all we have in order to be successful. And so last thing I'll say this in business as well is that don't search for people to be upset with within the context of understanding that there are levels to relationships. It's just, it's just a fact. Uh, and, and, and if you don't think that there is, then um, I think you're living in kind of an imaginary world. I, there, there absolutely is. There's people who, especially when you consider it coming from a cold context. So I, I'm kind of bouncing around here, but let me give you an example. So a while back, I had, I had this, uh, this lady reach out to do a, uh, a podcast interview swap on my show. I didn't know, didn't know her at all. I had no idea who she was. Just a cold, uh, I don't know, email or something like that. Asking like, hey, I'll come, I'll have you on my show, but, uh, but only if I can come on your show. At the time, I had like 35 requests to be on my show sitting in my inbox. I only had like four interviews to record. And I was like, hey, look, just to be frank with you, I, like I, we can't take on any more interviews right now. And like their expertise was similar to mine, but not as far along. So they had uh, uh, like one third the amount of downloads that I had, one third or one fourth of the amount of episodes that I had, you know, one fifth of the amount of reviews that I had, nowhere near as good of a guest lineup. And their cold pitch was, hey, 
give me a bunch of value by letting me be on your more established, more listened to show. And I'll give you less value by bringing you on my show that doesn't have a lot of traction right now. It was just a, it was a terrible ask. And I, in the most polite way possible, sent up a video. I literally sent a video response was like, look, you know, hit me up in a few months. We're going to increase our release schedule. We might have more uh, supply of interviews at the time. And at that point we might be able to bring you on. But right now we just, we just can't, we can't make it happen. So I reached back out five, six months later. Now that I know who they are, I see their stuff, see their posts. I see the people they're interviewing. I'm like, okay, they're, they're doing well. They're staying consistent. They're continuing to, to make good content. It's not going to be a waste of my time to go on the show. And then we increased our release schedule of interviews. We started doing three a week again instead of one a week. And so I was like, okay, let's reach back out to this person and do this, do this interview swap. So we reach back out, we get everything scheduled. And then she no-shows on me uh, for my interview with her. And then no-shows on me for her interview with me. Both of them no-showed. Uh, and so uh, we reached back out. I, I reached back out and it was just, and then, and then I saw a post from this person. And I was just like, that said something about how, you know, at first they say no, but then they want to collab or they want to work with you, like keep grinding or something like that. And it was just like, a, wait a second. I think you missed the point of this entire thing. Like, first of all, I do not need to go on your show at all. Like this is still something that I'm doing mostly just because I think that what you're doing is cool and you're in my position a year ago, like where I was a year ago, that's where you are now. And I have empathy for that. And I'm happy to do the, the, the swap at this point because I actually have some context into who you are and I've seen you do some work for a while. But to like hold a grudge against me because I said no to the original request back when I had no idea who you are. You weren't a warm connection for my audience. Uh, we didn't know like hardly any of the same people. There was zero context. You're going to hold that against me for who knows how long, because I said no back when it didn't make sense to say yes. Like that's an example of what I mean by people that are just searching to spite people. It's just like, they're, they're looking for an opportunity to be like, F you wait, wait till I'm successful. And then you'll regret it. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have some empathy. Try to understand where I'm coming from a little bit, you know, because it, even to this day now, I reach out to people that'll tell me no. And I'm like, all right, it, it's just, to me, it's more of a challenge. It's not a F you, you know, you're, you're like, you'll see, you'll all see, you know, it's not that. It's just this idea that like, okay, I haven't done something well enough to demand the attention of this person and I don't deserve their attention yet. It's the bottom line. Cause you guess what? You don't deserve everybody's attention. You don't deserve anything. Like you have to go make it for yourself. And so when I get no's now, it's just more of a, okay, well, what do I need to do in order to turn this into a yes? And do I care enough about getting this person on my show or getting this person to do X result for me? Do I care enough about that to put in the work to make sure that this no turns into a yes? Sometimes the answer to that question is no, so I leave it alone. Sometimes the answer to the question is yes, so I figure out what the path is going to be to be able to get it to turn it into a yes. And so kind of full circle moment, the person I was telling you about at the beginning that ended up turning me down to be on my podcast is now asking me to speak at their event in front of hundreds of their best clients. Um, and that's four years later, if I would have, if I would have burned a bridge and been like this other guy, this other uh, girl was to me and, uh, and, and just been like, oh, he's on my FU list. And if he ever asked me to do anything, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that he, that, 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 that he knows how much I remember when he told me no, when I was first starting, it was like, there's a reason he told me no, when I was first starting. And guess what it was? It was because I was first starting <laughs> and like, it wasn't worth his time at that moment to come spend time with me. And now it is because I've continued to put in the work for over four years, but I didn't hold a grudge against that guy for telling me no, because I understand that it didn't make sense for him at the time. So don't actively search 
for burning bridges and destroying relationships because you're going to look back in five years, 10 years, and you might have a small tribe of people who've been like really whatever, loyal to you or whatever, but you're going to leave a trail of broken bridges that's going to make it way more difficult for you to continue building relationships inside of your space. You're going to have to continue going to different industries and different spaces because you're just going to leave a trail of broken bridges behind you and that's not how you want to be known uh, for the rest of your life. So uh, hopefully this episode was helpful. I know it's a little bit all over the place, but we talk a lot about relationships here. And this is something I've been noticing a lot recently as people continue to reach out to me and then get mad at me when I can't do everything that they ask me to do. So uh, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it gives you a little bit of empathy for their side. Uh, so just remember, don't be too quick to judge. Have some empathy for it. Understand you know, who's bringing the asset to the relationship, especially if you're in a cold reach out and you don't know who this person is, you don't have a pre previous friendship. And then always be the first one to uh, try to reconcile. You know, don't be the person in the relationship that just leaves it alone and never tries to to make things better. Because I think that I think that's going to be something that you regret later on. So, uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you listen, if you like any of the stuff that you're listening to here on the show, whatever platform you're listening on, whatever platform you're watching on, I'll leave a quick rating review. It helps helps the show and uh, and and helps us get in front of more people. Share the episode. Let some let's let someone know uh, about it, and uh, we'll we'll chat with you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to this episode. That's it for today. As you all know, this show is completely free. Our only ask is that if you found anything valuable in this episode or in any of the episodes that you've listened to, then share it with somebody else and leave us a quick rating review in whatever platform you're listening to right now. It would be super, super helpful for us. Uh, so that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.